everybody. This is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 23 of the show, which is one of my two favorite prime numbers. I don't know why I have favorite prime numbers, but I do. Well, okay. Do you have favorite prime numbers, Mike? Um, is three a prime number? Three is a prime number. Then yes, I love three. 23 and, it, and 47. For whatever reason, those are my two favorite prime numbers. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. have no particular affection for either of them, but... <laughs> well, we are um, continuing our journey through early Marvel, and I don't have any of my uh, calendar stuff up yet, so oh, we're somewhere well, in 1963. We are in April of 1963. Is it April? April. Awesome. And we're starting off with a very important comic today. Yeah? Strange Tales 110. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know it to look on the cover. No. The cover looks ridiculous. But, um, well, this it's is exciting. F- but yeah, it's not necessarily special. Actually, actually, yeah. Um, the idea of two Human Torch villains coming together, if you like the Human Torch series, that probably is cool. Right. But um, you would not know it to look on the cover, but this is the first appearance of Doctor Strange. Yay! As portrayed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe by Benadryl Cabbage Patch. <laughs> or something along those lines, yeah. Right? Right. And, and we'll talk more about him yeah. in a few minutes. Yeah, we'll get to him and, and what we think of him because I have some thoughts and I'd like to hear your thoughts. But let's tackle this obligatory Human Torch story first. Yes, and these are the um, these are the comics that came out April 9th of 1963 and Mm -hmm. if all goes as planned we're going to wrap up april of 1963 in this episode so okay um strange shells 110 the wizard and paste pot pete are back um now this issue starts out with the danger room I mean, uh, <laughs> right. obstacle course. Right. <laughs> um, and Torch goes to the obstacle course. He sits down with an, a photo album and starts looking through the photos of his old bad guys, mainly the wizard and paste pot Pete, because they're going to be the main characters of the episode. Um, Pete decides after having returned, because he got away yeah. last time. That's right, kids. He's, he's back in the country. He decides that next time he goes after the Torch, he needs some help. So he goes and he busts the wizard out of jail. And the wizard's like, oh, thanks. But you know what? I was going to bust out anyway because I'm so cool. And almost immediately begins taking over the partnership so that the Pace Pot Pete becomes very much a stooge in the partnership that he started. Um, they go after the torch. Um, they do a thing where they masquerade as the torch mm-hmm. in order to make the torch look bad. So the torch comes after them. Um, and then they go and harass a guy again pretend to be the torch and the guy's like oh oh my gosh you're so hot you're on fire it's almost like i'm gonna catch on fire myself and bam he's the real torch Mm -hmm. and they fight and there's a mirror room that has them because that's what's featured in the splash page but it's like a page of 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 um of plot and oh my gosh i like how you pause really before you say plot as if probably not <laughs> I guess it's plot. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's plot. And somehow the fight ends with him. Does uh, he capture them or do they get free? Uh, no, he captures them legit. Okay. And then they he complains that he had to stay up all night capturing them and he didn't have time to study all of Spider-Man or something oh, like that. Yeah, that's right. Because he had a, uh, a test he was going to study for right, and right. he got caught up. Yeah. Um, because although I think it's kind of 
neat when they do show Torch having school issues. Mm-hmm. It's really not a part of his story concept. And it feel, does feel a little bit out of place. And he's not Peter, even though right. we've kind of established that Stan sort of wanted him to be Peter until he found the real Peter to play with. Well, that sounded really bad, but that's not what I meant. Um, but uh, <laughs> But the thing is, the Human Torch is out publicly as the human torch. So at the end, they've got these teachers and stuff shaking his hand, telling him what a great job he did as Johnny, because they know he's mm-hmm. the human torch. So it's like you, his, his school life shouldn't be harder than Peter's because Peter has to keep up the pretense that he doesn't have a nightlife and he didn't just stop the vulture, you know, right. versus Johnny could say like, Hey, you know, I was in another dimension all last week. Can I get an extension? Right. But, so, yeah, I don't really feel sorry for him. Plus, he could probably just get homeschooled by Reed Richards and his life would be much better. Right. Although Reed is probably the sort of personality that wouldn't have much time for him. True. Or expect him to be a straight-A genius. And when he's not, then there's just confrontation. But anyway. I, I can definitely see him being like, why aren't you getting this? I've explained it three times. <laughs> right. It's just quantum physics. Big deal. So... um the wizard we have seen twice before, Pace Pot P we've seen once before, and actually as we're recording this, episode 11 is our newest episode live, mm-hmm. to get you a bit of time, give you an idea of the lead time we have here. And that was our first Pace Pot P experience. Yeah. When um, he broke Spider-Man in my brain. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I remember that. That was fun. Um, but the wizard has gone from like super ugly, weird looking dude to generic tough guy. Yeah, he looks much more handsome in this, thanks to Dick Ayers. Like, he's just a regular kind of looking guy with a fuzzy chin. Yeah, he's got some facial hair on the beard, on the, on the chin there, and that's, a, that's about it. And I think it's, I think he's worse for it. I kind of liked his unique, weird look. A la, with a really long nose. All like King Kirby, you know? Yeah. Um, I forgot that Pace Pot Pete escaped, and he was like a string of villains who had escaped around that time we were covering that issue, wasn't he? Like... Yeah, like, lots of bad guys were going free. Like it end. seemed like every issue, a bad guy was getting away from the Fantastic Four or Human Torch. So, yeah, it's kind of cool that they just follow up with him having still been that large. And he decides to to spring the trickster who's been arrested twice now. Um, what I really mostly like about this story, I mean, it's a lot of it is absurd. But again, I feel like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on these Strange Tale issues because I'm not hating them anymore. But uh, <laughs> what I loved about this issue, my favorite part is the two of them interacting because it was Pace Pot Pete's idea to spring. Um, I'm just the wizard. Thank you. The wizard. I kept trying to call him the thinker and I knew that wasn't right, but uh, yeah, it was his idea to spring him. But then once he does, he just finds him to be the most arrogant, annoying smarty pants ever. And through the whole issue, he's pretty much just complaining about having to work with him. And I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the thinker They're, doesn't really care about Pacepot Pete. He kind of just uses him like as his assistant or something because obviously his intelligence is so much lower than mine and blah, blah, blah. So. And there's this same dynamic between Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and the Torch during their first team up, and it doesn't work nearly as well. Oh, where the Torch is being smug and arrogant because he's the Torch and – Right, and Peter Parker is 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 mm-hmm. resentful and and biting back sarcastically. But and I've never read that issue. And did you see how I figured out which one would be which? So at least they <laughs> got the character right. Um, when I was reading his going through the obstacle course at the beginning of the issue, I was thinking, okay, last time we saw the torch was that Doctor Octopus issue where he was 
either had been using his flame too much recently or was sick, depending on which page Stan was writing at the time. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I like to think that he's testing himself after getting over the trees back up to snuff. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I like that headcanon. A little bit of continuity there we can insert into the pages. And Reed actually apparently came back and upgraded his his danger room because it's much better than just a couple of old tires lying around now. <laughs> yeah. He's got like I think he's he's got actual things, metal things to fly through and targets and stuff like that. It's like so. a, a a metal transparent tube or something. It's, yeah, it's great. Um, on page three, panel two, he's uh, the first panel. He's like history, Anglo-Norman feudalism, blah blah blah, wizards, blah wizards. That <laughs> reminds me. Yeah. And although he says, "I wonder whatever became of the wizard," I was thinking, what about the sorcerer? Because that was just like last Tuesday that you fought him. And wouldn't it be much more likely that reading about magicians would make you think of the sorcerer? He was oh so memorable. Remember the whole Pandora's box thing and the fact that he was only the sorcerer because he was a dude yeah. in a house far away? Yeah. yeah. No, the sorcerer is drunk. Plus, he's an actual more like a wizard than the wizard who's more just about technologically being advanced. Um, and it's weird that he says, I wonder what became of him. It's like, what do you mean? What became of him? You arrested him and put him in jail. That's what became of him. Right. Or does he mean like, did he become a kitchen cook at, or, you know, like a cook or a janitor or what? Like, I don't know what he means when he tries to figure out what became of him. And he has this adorable scrapbook. Yes. Of all adventures of the human. I love that he writes that on there and you know, he did it. Right. And he has the photos of the bad guys. And I was showing this to Lily, my daughter, and she suggests that like the aliens and the other stuff that he can't get pics of, he probably just like draws little doodles of them (laughs) into the page and maybe even like with stickers and crayons. Well, the book is pink. So, yeah. 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 It's pretty great. I I love the Torches scrapbook. I want to see this again. And then there's like, well, at this point, it should be a whole like bookcase full of scrapbook. That'd be pretty cool if he just kept it going. Yeah. Um, a lot of the story, and there's only, what, 13 pages? I feel like at least five or six is just recap of uh, what happened between him and Paste and him and uh, – uh, how did he even the, start thinking about Paste? He's thinking about the the wizard and how he captures him. And then I guess because he keeps right. looking through his scrapbook, he's like, oh, yeah, and then there was this other guy. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. He's like, oh, yeah, and then Paste Pot P had me worried too. It would be not – I would have scripted that as, oh, and look, on the next page is Pace Pot Pete. Mm-hmm. Let's think about him. But no, the scripting is just, oh, yeah, Pace Pot Pete, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like legit, like straight up, like swipes of the panels that were from there. So a lot of this seemed like you could just skim through it, sort of. It was a fast read, I we, guess. Yeah, it was. You, you finally get to actual story on page six mm-hmm. whenever Pete starts going to rescue the uh, the wizard. And right away... From a distance, he splooges somebody's truck, wraps somebody up in paste ropes, and gets their mouth. And I, I was immediately once again upset <laughs> at how Paste Pot Pete is just a cheap Spider-Man. Yeah. I do not like that realization that I came to. <laughs> you know what I was thinking also? I was thinking about Black Lightning the other day. Yeah, and, did you watch the show? No, I don't. But I think a commercial came on or something. So that's why I was thinking about it. And how it relates to Pace Pot Beat is certain characters have powers that I don't feel are any better than AK-47s. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know if Black Lightning also has like force field powers or something, but if he's just shooting lightning out of his hand, then I feel like I'm an equal match for him if I also have a gun because my bullet's going to be super fast too. Maybe not as fast as lightning, but fast enough to where you can't dodge it 
any more than I can dodge right. your lightning. And Pacepot Pete has a glue gun. And he just goes into prison like he's the most powerful. Like, Dr. Octopus, okay. That makes kind of sense to me, you know? Pacepot mm-hmm. Pete has a glue gun, and all these guys have guns. I actually think maybe the gun is better than a glue gun, for the most part. Probably. So, like... Unless you can get, uh, like, surprise on your side. I guess. I guess that's what he does. He just surprises everybody. But why are they surprised if it's a prison? And in Spider-Man, you know, the web is super fast, and he is also super fast. He's got got the double blasting thing. Well, and he... He's now taking care of the entire room. And he can dodge bullets. So, that's why they don't hurt him. But Pacepot P can't dodge bullets, that I know And he doesn't have double firing, because remember, one of his hands... Has to carry the fuck the, the freaking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yes, the he F has bucket. to carry the stupid paste pot right. around. Oh, the worst design ever, really. Um, so anyway, they escape, and the first thing the wizard says is, "Let's go back to my awesome house because they'll never look for me there." Um, and I was thinking, the last two times, that is where you went. And both times they immediately looked for you there because you. And isn't I mean, we've seen enough cop shows, right? Don't they immediately go back and say, "Hey, have you seen him? Has he been by? Right. Let us know." Right? Isn't it the first place they stake out is your home? Well, the last time he escaped, they immediately surrounded his house, and he just put up like a force field so they couldn't get in, but he couldn't get out either. So that's just weird logic on his part that suddenly he thinks that they wouldn't because they would. They did. But anyway. Okay. I'm just noticing something on page eight, that second panel, the, the conversation you're talking about. He has like fork beard. <laughs> yes, he does. That, you know, earlier in the comic, I just thought he had like stubble down there, but he's like actually been growing it out and he's got it waxed into two, two fork beards. That's And then Pastepot next crazy. to him also has a chin beard and his own unique wax shape. So they're like chin friends or yeah. something. Chin hair friends. Yeah. I wonder if they buy beard wax in the same place. So, um... Every issue of this still, so far, has had a member of the Fantastic Four in it, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And this one, too. All three are on the phone. Yep. And um, they're off having another adventure while he's at school. And I'm starting to kind of want the series of FF Adventures where <gasps> Johnny can't come because he's at school. God, that would be amazingly um, um, niche and brilliant if you could get the right <laughs> – if you could get the right writer – an artist team to just be like, let's do some 60s stories where Johnny's at school. I would so yeah. read that. That would be fun, whoever's listening. Anyway, yeah, I like um, that there idea. Were, <laughs> there were a couple things I wrote down on this. Okay, so panel three, of course we're partners in crime. I shall lead and you shall – oh, yeah. Because, yeah, talking about how Pete has kind of unleashed a monster. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to go get the wizard. He's going to help me. But he has actually created um, a very big problem for himself. Oh, yeah. That was the best part. Just like and on pay on panel five, a flaming form is seen after the safe was blasted open by intense heat. But as a famous crime buster, you couldn't have done it. Why did you allow that story to get in the pay- newspapers? And I'm like, allow what? What control does Johnny have over what goes into the papers and what doesn't? Uh, maybe the Fantastic Four control the papers. That's kind of scary, though. He's a high school kid. He's supposed to be studying for history test right now. Well, he is super famous, but I would think even famous people in 1963 couldn't stop a story. I would hope. I don't know. I guess it depends on who so, you are. 
One of the minor details that I'd mentioned in the uh, synopsis is that as they're breaking out of prison, Wizard sets off a bomb behind them, which makes a fire, which implies that the Human Torch might have been there. Oh. So he might have been a spy breaking them out. So he gets bad mouthed in the press. That's all a bunch of silly silliness. And then this whole business where like they they pretend to be the Human Torch, and then the old man really is the Human Torch, and he surprises them back, makes you scratch your head and go, "How did the Human Torch know they were going to be there?" Didn't to attack this man and blah, blah, blah. It just kind of all seems crazy. But then it turns out that they actually knew that he knew that they knew because they, they get him into their Batman trap, you know, with all the mirrors and the fire extinguishers and everything. So I like how he uses one of his flame copies though to trick them. Oh, is that what he does? Yeah. He uses a flame copy to trick them that he's still there. Oh, and yes, actually yeah. Leaves yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting. They're like, he's in the mirror room and he can't get out. And then they just walk in like, yeah, like maybe you should have hmm. you should have let him stay in that mirror room till he flamed out or something. But anyway, well, they're going to use their fire extinguishing oh, right. liquid in yeah. the room that evaporates oxygen because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole thing is also Johnny feeling the need to prove himself. And isn't this the like the third time that Johnny has felt the need to prove himself to the team? That, I'll show them I don't run around yelling for help whenever I get in a jam. Human Torch can handle anything by his loans. And I'm like, dude, it's your 10th issue. Right. If they don't respect you yet, they're not gonna. That does seem to and be they probably do. a go-to for him is to immediately, like any sort of offense they give him. And he immediately goes to, you guys don't want me on the team. So, yeah, because he tried to form his own team with the Acrobat. What else did he do? Um, oh, I think like the first time, maybe. Because the thing told him not to take it take on the uh you know that terrorist guy whatever it was i can't even remember now right and he did it anyway and, and susan told him not to go after the wizard and he went after the wizard right just he's always he's always got his testosterone in a in a fragile little jar that's probably just stan's idea of what a youthful person has to go through all the time honestly honestly yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and it's not too far off i remember always feeling like I wasn't being seen as a the growing adult that I was allegedly supposed to be. Right. I saw myself as a growing adult anyway. Oh, yeah. We knew what we were doing. Right. That's why I got married at 19 years old. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I got married at 21. She was 20. But it's still a very, very, very young. Um, I only had two other notes on this. Okay. Their, first, their first trap on him mm-hmm. is they shoot compressed oxygen at him. They're like, you're shooting compressed oxygen at flame? That's a good thing for flame. Yeah, it's going to blow up your compressed oxygen gun and like set your house on fire. But instead he says, it's too great, the pressure, I can't take it, and falls down the hole. Of course he does. And the only other note I had was on the next to last page. Yeah. He says, um, what does he say? I got to burn in a straight line. That should get me out. I can feel my flame growing weaker now. I've used about, I've just about used up with this last power push, and yet he still is able to make it out in time. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, it's, they get captured. It's definitely just still story driven plot as to when the flame comes and goes. So, right. And I, and I guess there's really no way to quantify it anyway. If we, if we assume that it's factored by both duration and intensity, we don't know how hard, how, you know, how much flame, how much power he's, using so i guess we'd never be able to 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 really tell to tell i'm kind of hoping this just goes away someday i know it does i don't think he does that anymore i hope but i don't know well 
Does that do it for that story? That is for that story, but not but guess this what, issue. Kids? No, this issue has a second story, and this is actually our first book that's going to regularly have two stories. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's a little bit weird because Doctor Strange, Master of Black Magic, is Steve Ditko's baby. It's Steve Ditko's idea. He brought it to Stan. Stan agreed to run it. Had a couple of inputs on how to how to monitor things, but Stan didn't actually like the idea. Okay, and he didn't think it was going to take off, which is why Doctor Strange only runs for two issues, and then they wait for feedback. Ah, oh. and so we're going to have two issues on, and I think two issues off, and then we're going to come back to regular Doctor Strange. So that means he got good feedback. Yes, he got good feedback. Doctor Strange is actually really popular during Ditko's run. Uh, it gloms on to a different segment of the population, mm-hmm. I think, than they had been reaching before because it's so weird and out there. And it's that zeitgeist in the 60s was such a thing of just weird out there, far out concepts. Right. Um, that I think it reached people in a way that none of their other books had been doing. Well, um, he's certainly different than anything we've read so far. Yeah. And his name comes, you know, it's, it's funny to associate, oh, Doctor Strange in Strange Tales. Well, that is exactly why they called him Strange. They gave him, they called him Strange oh. because he was going to be in Strange Tales. And Ditko was going to go with Mr. Strange. And Stanley thought maybe Doctor would sound cooler. He's not wrong. So, yeah, I don't think he's wrong either. Although um, they do abbreviate the Doctor in the title of this. And mm-hmm. I don't think they normally do that or... I never thought yeah, they did that. Yeah, later on, writing out Doctor Strange, kind of like Doctor Who, writing it out will become the the uh, accepted thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only other really big point I have before we get into the comic, actually, you know what? We'll talk about it after the uh, the recap. Okay. Okay. Doctor Strange, master of black magic. Random guy, can't sleep, tossing and turning. He's having bad dreams, and he needs help. He doesn't know where to get help, but he's heard a name, a name that... People rarely speak out loud. Doctor Strange. And he decides to go find him. Maybe Doctor Strange can help me. So I don't know if he guesses looks him up in a phone book or something. And he goes over to Doctor Strange's house and says, Doctor Strange, can you help me? And Doctor Strange says, oh, what's the problem? He's like, I always have this same dream, this dark figure in chains. He's like, okay, tonight I'm going to visit you in your dreams. Oh, that's so crazy. So later in his room, he's sitting there and he lets his astral form go out and his astral form goes and talks to an old wizened master on the other side of the planet, far away in Asia. And the wizard master says, you know, use your amulet. You have the power you need. Don't depend on me. I won't always be here. Go for it. And Dr. Strange is like, okay. So that night he goes to the guy's house he sits on the floor in his bedroom while the guy's sleeping, goes into his dream, and meets Nightmare in the guy's nightmares. Um, turns out the, do- the dark figure wrapped in chains is a symbol of evil because this guy has done great evil, and he needs to face that and deal with it. And he even mentions the name. Um, I think it's Craig, Mr. Craig, and um, says, you know, ask him about this. While Doctor Strange is then facing off with this King of Nightmares, Mm -hmm. the guy wakes up and the dream is over, but Doctor Strange is still in the dream. And he's like, oh, maybe I can kill Doctor Strange and that'll stop him from finding out about about, about this Craig fella. And um, 
far away in Asia, the wisdom master is like, oh, I, I, I have to help Dr. Strange from over here. I have to concentrate and think really hard. And he opens this giant amulet around Dr. Strange's neck, which is uh, once you open it, it has an eyeball inside. And the eyeball shoots his eyeball beams at the guy. Dr. Strange is able to get away from Nightmare, go back into his body. And um, when Dr. Strange comes to, the guy's like, I'm sorry, I tried to kill you. And he's like, yeah, you should be. The end. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot about Dr. Strange. I am not super attracted to magical characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they are definitely a thing in both DC and Marvel. There's like the whole thing. I like my experiences with Dr. Stranger usually when he's guest starring and he's like the go-to guy for a magical problem or something, right? Because he's the – Right. Whatever. So I don't know. I've never read this. I feel like this has all the elements I know about Dr. Strange, whether it says it or not. They got the whole, you know, Greenwich Village thing. They got what it looks to be Wong. I don't think they call him that. It's, they don't call he's it got, in fact, In fact, nothing gets named in this right. that we are used but to having names for. He still has the eye of Aga Meadow or Aga whatever, and he's got the ancient one as his master, and um, he's doing the astral projection thing. So I read it and thought, yeah, that's a Doctor Strange story for sure. Um, it's not – but I mean, it's, yeah. it's kooky and weird and creepy. Yeah. And it, I think it's a – it almost strikes me as a way of Steve Ditko continuing his short story – with a twist concept, mm-hmm. yeah, but with yeah. a continuing character. Yeah. But, I mean, um, if you look at it, he doesn't do anything in this other than getting over his head and have to be rescued. Right. So that's not so great for a debut of a character. Like, he gets stuck, and then he calls Master, and Master fixes everything. The end. And maybe that's part of why Stan didn't like it. Maybe it's less to do with the Doctor Strange concept and more to do with this is not the strongest debut story. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for you. Okay. What ethnicity is Doctor Strange? Well, he sure looks Asian in this first issue. Yeah. I would say so after that, he's never been – well, I don't know after that immediately, but I've never noticed him being portrayed that way before. Right. Uh, but he definitely looks Asian in this first issue. So when I was reading this for the podcast, I was thinking about that. And the, the, st- the thought has struck me before, that he looks Asian in this first issue. And then eventually when we get an origin story, he is definitely Caucasian, Western, American – Doctor. Uh, depiction. Um, but then as I was going through his issues, over the course of his first year of stories, we're going to see him slowly metamorphose. Okay. And um, the origin story is an exception, because in the origin story, there is no Asianness about him. And when we're talking, folks, if you've not read this story, we're talking about Asian comics, especially in the 60s, tended to use shortcuts to indicate ethnicity and... Um, the shortcut we're talking about here is the heavily lidded, barely open eyes. And the Vulcan eyebrows are a pretty good giveaway, too. Right. And the unusually cut facial hair. Uh-huh. Um, so those kinds of things definitely would not be considered, you know, probably acceptable portrayals nowadays. Um, and, you know, if, but- if he has no origin right now, which he doesn't, other than... He has a master who lives in Asia, in a remote vastness of Asia. So we assume he trained there, which means he could be from there, right? And the same race as his master isn't isn't yeah, isn't yeah. a far fetch at this point, right? So um, I tend to believe that Doctor Strange was conceived as a 
non-white, you know, mm-hmm. character as a, as what we would now call a person of color character, Boy. and that that was changed. Boy, imagine if that wasn't changed, because you know we have so few instances of race representation in these early Marvel books. Like, I mean, I mean, yeah, look we, look how much we raise the Black Panther right now, now because of his movie and all that too. But like, it's like imagine if it wasn't Benedict Cumberbatch, but they they hired they. They picked an Asian guy to be Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange is Asian. And it's like, wow, now he's on the big screen and he's got his own movie and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. That would have mm-hmm. been very interesting. Or, you know, if they had picked an Asian person for the ancient one oh. instead of a white woman. <laughs> no, no. Hey, at least they went minority. <laughs> um, the ancient one, just to clarify, is not, not yet called the ancient no. one. And the Eye of Agamotto is not yet called the Eye of Agamotto. But they are both there. Um, and he does go in the astral plane. So that trope is there. Um, and we are given from the beginning here, the expectation that his master is going to die soon. He mentions, I'm not going to be around much longer. You've got to, you know, depend on yourself and your, your magic amulet. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's an important plot point that's here from the beginning. Uh, first, the only, go ahead, go ahead. First character appearance of nightmare Mm -hmm. who is a regular, well, I don't know, regular, but he is a staple entity in the Marvel universe. And even though they don't show him very well here, he's mostly silhouette. He does have the white hair and the crazy design. So I think it is supposed to be that nightmare that we will yeah, see in future, yeah. future comics. They fill in his look later here. He is very much a shadowy nightmarish kind of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and his comments give us a sense of history between them. So Dr. Strange comes mm-hmm. off here as a guy who's been doing this for a while. Um, and I get the feeling that well, when I was reading this and they were locked in battle and he was unable to go back to his physical body, I just have the feeling like that's going to be a Doctor Strange trope. Oh, yeah, I know. And I hope it's not. I hope he doesn't always pray to Odin to get saved every time because that's not going to be fun. <laughs> but, yeah, he calls Nightmare my ancient foe. So mm-hmm. that makes it sound like they've gone these rounds before. Yeah. It could just be saying that, hey, Nightmare, you're old, dude. But um, well, but my but Nightmare foe? recognizes Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, that's true also. Yeah. So they, they've, they, they definitely fought. Um, but yeah, this is a simple morality play with a hefty dose of weird. The, the guy who wants help in the nightmares has been doing bad things. They have given him nightmares and Dr. Strange is like, yo, dude, stop. I think he killed a guy is is what's actually haunting him right now. And, um, morality plays with a dose of weird are the kind of thing that Ditko excels at. Oh yeah. He was a weird guy himself. So he liked weird stuff. Um, and Dr. Strange looks very cool. And in fact, he looks like. Doctor Strange you would think of if I said Doctor Strange to you. So he doesn't really change all that much design-wise, other than his race, I guess. But uh, other, the, the, the one biggest change is he gets that red cloak. Yeah, he's missing his red cloak, but he does look very cool. And I think the story was pretty nice, too. Like, maybe just a one-off story. If we never see this character again, it would have been an interesting story just for fun. I do mm-hmm. think maybe he gets sold short in the fact that he doesn't save himself. But, you know, that's just a minor quip, and I'd like to see future adventures uh, my only other thing is, like I said, I don't necessarily love magic characters, mostly because I always feel like, you know, what's the rules here, you know? Um, and so I'd be in, I'm going to be mm-hmm. interested to find out how they or if they balance that sort of thing with a character like this. You know, at least with science, yes, okay. Most of the science in Marvel is just straight up magic too, magnets. But at least they're like trying to base it on something and therefore you can kind of apply rules to it, sort of. Whereas other things, it's like, well, why doesn't he just twinkle his fingers and turn that guy to a loaf of bread? You know, I don't know. 
So we'll find right. out. We'll find out why he can't do that or if they address that sort of thing. Okay. Well, that was uh, Strange Tales 110. Shall we go on to Iron Man? Iron Man? Yeah. Okay. Let's do yeah. that. You've got Iron Man. Can you do a recap in a, without looking? No. Yeah, I want to look. That, that, no. That's my rhyme. Tales of Suspense, number 43, which I will pull up here real fast. It's called Kala, Queen of the Netherworld, 13 pages. Came out also on April 9th. Why are all these coming out on April 9th? We haven't hit another week yet. That's weird. Well, no, we we did April 2nd last episode. Oh, so 9th is the second week. Okay. Yeah. All Everything today is me, April 9th. All right. April 9th, 1963. It's called Kala, Queen of the Netherworld, which I already said. So it opens with Tony Stark's lab and what is it called? Like a wind tunnel is going nuts. So like the fan is going crazy and it's like knocking everything over. So they call Tony and they're like, hey, can you fix this? Because you're the smartest guy here and it's your fan. And he's like, hey, I'm drinking tea with Iron Man right now. I'll quote unquote send him down. So Iron Man goes down and just straight up like jumps into the fan and breaks it because he's Iron Man and – that's the simplest and quickest solution, and he doesn't get hurt at all. Then he goes back upstairs and sends, quote-unquote, Tony down. Tony comes down, and they're all, like, patting each other on the back and how awesome that was. And suddenly these two dudes, like, just disappear, like a security guard and one of the lab guys just disappear. And before Tony could figure out why, he's suddenly imprisoned in, like, this, um, and uh, I don't know, crystalline prison bubble thing and it starts sinking into the ground and it takes them all the way to practically the center of the earth or maybe the center of the earth excuse me i'm not sure and there he meets a whole race of people led by this queen kala i'm gonna guess based on the title that i just said um and she's like yes we are descendants of atlantis because everybody's always a descendant of atlantis and when a big wave crashed on us we got into this bubble and then slowly over the centuries We've been sinking deeper and deeper into the earth, and now you're well. Now you are in the nether or the uh, nether world with us, and we have we have advanced technology, and we have the ability to look at the top side of the earth, and so we know who you are, and we want to invade. But the one thing we lack is power to get up there, to get our entire people up there, our city. And we found out that you, Tony Stark, have these crazy little tiny transistors that can do more power than, you know, anything. So we want you to design them for us. And he's like, or they said, if you don't do it, we'll kill these other dudes we kidnapped. And he's like, okay, sure, I'll do it. That's not, no problem. Lock me in a lab all by myself and give me as much and give me as much stuff as I need. And don't ask any questions, okay? And they say, okay, sure. So he goes in there and he designs another Iron Man suit. And then he busts out and just builds another suit. Yeah, he just builds another suit. He's like, did you guys... In a cave with a box of scraps. He's like, you guys didn't read the first issue of my origin, right? Okay, so yeah, put me back in that thing and I'll do the same thing again. And so he makes the suit and he busts out and he tells everybody, good thing I followed Tony down here as Iron Man because I'm a different guy, right? Wink. And he like beats everybody up because he's Iron Man. They throw stuff at him. And then he takes the queen and uses transistor-powered scissors or something to like cut his way back up through the core <laughs> and get to the top. And as soon as he gets up there, she turns old. And she don't like that because she likes to be pretty and young. And apparently when you're in the netherworld, time is different or something than when you're topside. So she's like, oh, I don't want to invade after all. Take me back. He takes her back and that transforms her back young again somehow. And he's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't attack, right? And she's like, no. In fact, I'm going to stay here. And you're such a stud. You need to marry me. We can rule this world together. And he says, 
no thanks, lady. But this guard right here who's been telling me this entire story that he also did not want to attack the earth, he has the hot for, hots for you, so you should marry him. And she goes, you know, I always thought that. And they marry together, and she lets the man run the place, and he goes back and is like Tony Stark again as a ladies' man or something. The end. The end. Yeah. Um, Yikes. So I looked up Atlantis okay. to see how her connection here works. Oh, like, because like Marvel, Marvel's Atlantis? Marvel, no, Marvel, yeah, Marvel's Atlantis. So um, they have thought about that and they have discussed. And, um, you know, Atlantis is not just a city. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, a pretty large place. Okay. And so they were they were just the southern region of the Atlantis oh. island slash continent. They were the minorities. Yeah, they were just, you know, they weren't they weren't in Namor's kingdom, they were in another spot, which is kind of the same um explanation in DC of Aquaman's Atlantis versus L'Oreal Amaris the Mermaid's Atlantis mm-hmm. is that they just lived in different parts of Atlantis. Well, I guess that works. I mean, if this big horrible thing destroys your world and crushes everything and splits it up into chunks and and I don't know, I guess you can all evolve separately. After that, yeah, well, like one part of Atlantis learns to breathe the water, the other part learns to turn into mermaids. So, yeah, you know, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, I'll tell you, I pretty much love the beginning of this, and then I don't like anything else. Uh, yeah, it does, it's not helped by the fact that when you turn the page after the last page, you see Cleopatra is the next issue, so it's another random queen in a random part. So, it's like he's dealing with random queens two issues in a row. Oh, no, uh, yeah. But I straight up love his solution for this fan. I don't know why. Just because it's so violent and pointless. Like, he's just got this runaway the fan. The ridiculous visuals. It's ridiculous visual, but it's also just so cool to picture. Like, he comes down as Iron Man. This thing is blown. It's sucking rockets. And by the way, he's so powerful, he can just stand there and take it, which I think is cool in itself. But, like, instead of coming up with, like, hey, let's cut off the power or... Or, you know, find the short circuit or what made this thing do this because they never really talk about that. Like, he just straight up jumps into it and and destroys it and then gets up and, like, dusts his shoulders off. And I just thought that was really fun. It doesn't really specify, but my my read of it is that he turned into a human fan blowing the opposite direction. Yes. To counteract the vortex. Well, he does sort of say stuff like that. But then at the end of the day, the last panel is him just straight up crashing through it and, break, right. and breaking it. So, really... All the spinning is kind of pointless, and he could have just footballed it or, you know, tackled it anyway. Just, like, bulleted it into the center right. of the can. I just picture fine. him going over there and, let me solve this problem. It's just like the thing or something would solve the problem and just smash it. You want to make sure to hit the center of the fan, though, because otherwise you're going to get that scene in the Avengers whenever their rotor on the helicarrier starts going, and he's, like, caught being whipped by the blades <laughs> right. and knocked to pieces. Right, right. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> On the previous page, though, like there's the the plane inside the wind tunnel, mm-hmm. and the plane just like takes off, like oh, there goes Hal Jordan. Ah, oh, right, yeah, and they've got like all these missiles looks- flying everywhere and stuff. This seems like a really dangerous lab. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still not. And they call it. I'm still they not. Call Tony. He's like, hey, I know Iron Man. Right. I'm still not loving the whole like my armor is closed thing. It's not a great visual to me. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they get away from that really soon. But every time he does that, right uh, now, it's blah. I don't know how long it takes for them to figure out another way of representing his armor. Cause it does look like, I mean, on page three, panel two, his dirty laundry is laying around. Right. It's all flat or and his boring. clean laundry. That's just like thrown everywhere. And he's, he's like puffing out his helmet with his arms before he puts it on his head. I know. It's just not very, it's not, doesn't make me think of, you know, iron man, you know, it's more right. like guy who puts on an outfit, man. But 
Um, when people start disappearing and Tony gets caught in a bubble and he starts going down, I immediately start looking for his attache case and he doesn't have it. So I thought that was a nice little bit of suspense before well, they solve it, he, you know, a couple pages later. But like, well, he literally says, now that Iron Man's done with his business or something, I'll go back down there without my armor. I think. Doesn't he say that somewhere? Yeah, but like he could be carrying it with him, but he's not. I'll leave my costume he, behind, he says. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah, they have to establish behind. that he doesn't have it with him. But this is where it all starts to go to heck for me. Like the science is weird. Like how come the two dudes just disappear and Tony has to go through the cube elevator? But they all end up in the same place. So it seems easier just to teleport Tony, too. And then their explanation is that we got these two guys trying to get you. But, like, I don't know. Why didn't they get put in a stupid cube elevator? That's weird. And then, yeah, I don't know. The whole aging thing and not aging thing doesn't kind of make any sense to me. Are they immortal down here or something? Um, I think the idea is, is, yeah, the atmospheres are different or whatever. She's lived a long time in Atlantis because... I think the, uh, you know, she's been a queen down there a long time, but you come back to the, the regular atmosphere and, oh, all those years are going to catch up to you. The fact that it's undone again by right. just going back downstairs right, right, right. is a little bit weird. Yes, that's very weird. Um, but that's jumping ahead, too. Sorry. But I was just just in relation to the bad science of this story. All that kind of stuff is yeah is weird yeah. to me. Um, I just had a few random thoughts. Okay. This is the third underground civilization. We've met the Mole Man. We've met Tyrannus. Mm-hmm. Um and Tony Stark says, no one suspected there was any civilization at the core of the Earth. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. At this point, that's like being shocked that there's aliens, you know? Like, right. I think you've watched the news, right? They say that Tony Stark is America's greatest inventive genius. And I'm like, oh, but not Reed? Or Hank Pym? Or Hank Pym? Oh. And they say inventive genius. Yeah, maybe they're but trying Reed, to. Reed's, Reed's pretty inventive. He is pretty inventive. In fact, I guarantee you he could come up with some sort of energy way of getting this up onto the planet if he wanted to. That's kind of the thing that Ben always says is like, we're going to go punch the guy while you make a doohickey. Right. Well, you know, have they crossed over at all? Is Iron Man in any way crossed over? Not yet. So there you go. Iron Man is one of our whole Iron Man and Thor are still two holdouts. So, I mean, you have no way of knowing one way or the other any more than I do. But do you think at this point, Stan in his mind thinks that they are all together? Hmm. Or does he actually believe that some superheroes are at a standalone thing and they don't cross over? I don't know. I don't know. Either. I don't know. Like, how could he not? But. And actually, actually, you know, we've talked about how Jack Kirby is shifting his workload around because of future projects. And two of those future projects are going to be the Avengers and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. What if Iron Man was created to be an Avengers character? Uh-huh. But what if they made him at this point because they needed another character to put on the Avengers down the road? But then Ant Man and Fantastic Four and Spider Man crossover, and yeah, Ant Man's yeah. in the Avengers. I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know either. But um, they haven't acknowledged him yet. In fact, I'm I'm, wait- I'm waiting to see if Iron Man and Thor even do get acknowledged as sharing the universe before the Avengers number one. If there isn't actually even meant, if they, maybe maybe that's the first time they do it. I I don't know. So far, I'm really amazed by so that far. actually, but. Um, is um, it's kind of a super adorable that in order to make an Iron Man glove, you just put a <laughs> a trace a trace of a hand <laughs> on a piece of metal and then weld it out. That's just like wow, that is tech. It's like your old like first or second grade drawing of your of your turkey at Thanksgiving is your hand <laughs> with a gobbler on the it's front. Like an iron and turkey. Yeah. <laughs> iron turkey man, gobble gobble. <laughs> okay, so um. 
this story, though, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot yet. So much misogyny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, like, Baku loves Kala, but if he marries her, then she's not queen anymore because he would become the king and the ruler. And, like, Tony totally validates it. He's like, you know, as general of the Netherworld Army, you could seize power because I'm feeling you love Kala despite her arrogance. And he's like, but I refuse to knuckle under to any female. Um, anyways, it's... yeah. I feel like Tony's more um, sexist than this guy, though. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Except for that one line, yeah, of not wanting to knuckle under. But otherwise, he kind of seems to respect that she's the leader. And Tony's kind of like, you don't want to let a girl lead everything, right? She's totally wrong. You know we sh- that you shouldn't invade, so you should just take over. Be a man. Mm-hmm. And he's like, eh, I don't know. Man up. See what happens. I love that Iron Man just totally decimates all their advanced technology, though. Oh, but look how he does it. They shoot a beam at him. And he just pulls out another beam and shoots it back. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that could have easily not worked. You you did not know that your beam was going to beat their beam. <laughs> well, he does have some interesting, especially um, the mirror thing. But Oh, my gosh. Does, that mirror thing where he, he turns flame into ice. So that's different for Iron Man. He uses mm-hmm. magnets to change the missiles. That's pretty standard fare. But yeah, the mirror thing is like something I'm not sure we'll ever see again. He throws down, what does he say? Can you imagine what would happen if I projected, if I protected all Earthmen by multiplying them electronically with countless images? Mm-hmm. He puts down mirrors to create multiple illusions. Um, this is, this <laughs> is like Dragon Ball crap where Goku like creates other Gokus and you had to punch the right one. And oh my gosh, it's really dumb. It's all these, it's a panel. Of four Iron Men standing on and on the floor is like all these little tiny mirrors that I guess he keeps in a pocket. Mm-hmm. So they're all like a, like a they're like on the floor, and somehow that projects four Iron Men that are so realistic she can't figure out which is which. And the one that's real is not even standing there because apparently it's behind her. Right. <sighs> and he then proceeds to burrow oh, through my God. the Earth's crust. Right. With scissors. So. He pulls out sheep shears. Yes. And chops through the earth's crust with them. So, like, I would have rather it just been him and his armor pushing through without these dumb scissors. Yeah, like a fist out or something. Although that, that might kill her, I guess. But, like, uh, actually, she should be dead anyway. Is there any oxygen in that tunnel that's keeping her alive? But how long does it take to get to the center of the earth? Because I feel like he'd be traveling for days or something. Yeah, we talked about this with with uh, Tyrannus. I don't think they get to the center of the Earth because that's like thousands, like oh, either oh, tens or I, hundreds of thousands of miles. Did I make up that they're in the center of the Earth? Maybe I just assume that because I always think that. No, no, no. They say they go to the center okay, of the Earth. Okay, but they're but not. I, they're probably just bragging. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems um, like Tony can take anything. Like he can just take a tape dispenser and add a transistor to it. Now it's a super tape dispenser or something like that. This is really weird. And he has all these gizmos in his pockets that he doesn't have. Mirrors and clippers and... I can't wait till he's just and Iron Man and he shoots things out of his hand, you know? I'm like, that's fine with me. He solves the problem at the end by tearing, by telling um, them to get married. And then Baksu gets the throne because Baksu has a penis. That's right. And she's fine with that. She's fine because with that because that's how <laughs> society works, kids. Well, she's just like, oh, you really showed me. I don't want to be old and yucky, so let's not attack and I'll just be put in my place. Yeah. Well, let's not forget this is the same era where if you were on Star Trek and you got married, you had to leave the service and go home and be a housewife. And that was such a common thing that 
Captain Kirk and Spock like lament about it. Yeah, and such a common thing that there were never any female captains like, because yeah. Oh, there's another girl in my crew. We're going to lose her in a couple weeks. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, Speaking um, of. Okay. No, I'm, I'm done Me too. with Iron Man. Me too. We have, I think, one more issue, the Cleopatra issue, and then we get supporting cast with ah. um, Happy and Pepper. I can't wait to read that Cleopatra so get, issue. Yeah, it's it's Because if bananas. one thing, when someone says Cleopatra, I immediately think Iron Man. <laughs> yes you're not wrong but now on to the main event kids we got one more we only have like 10 minutes but we're just going to do this anyway and probably just go over right because yeah we want to talk about the world's greatest comic magazine exclamation point and that's your ball again but this is a good one. Oh, yeah, this that's is fine. a good one the fantastic Four sixteen. this is a good one because it's making more marvel universe Yes, because this is the issue with a special surprise guest star, Ant-Man. And blinking, you'll miss her. The Wasp is here, too. Yes. Uh, For like one panel. Yeah. Um, Who needs her? Who needs her? So Torch is flying to the Baxter building. He's kind of stressed out. Um, I think, yeah, no no one's answering the phone. So he's like, oh, my God, we're in a age with no cell phones. And if people leave the house, they can't answer the phone. I'm calling the Baxter building and no one's answering the phone. Something must be wrong. I'm going to fly over there super fast. So he does and he gets there. And um, I think everyone is tiny. Uh-huh. And they become big again. Yep. Does he make them become big no, again? No. They just spontaneously they just become do. big again. They just do. Okay, yeah. He's, they're getting sucked into a vent. He saves them from a vent and then they become big. And then they're like, yeah, this is the second time this has happened. <laughs> and they all re- relate how they've all had a shrinking adventure recently. Yes. And um, so we spend some time doing that. And I think they're also talking about how like, they, hear, they hear voices like, help me, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Right. Um, uh, warning them that Dr. Doom is on the prowl and causing shenanigans. So um, they're like, well, you know, the only person I know who really knows a lot about shrinking, because I totally stole his shrinking ideas a few issues ago. Also, he made unstable molecules and I stole them and got them patented and got all the credit for them. Um, Damn right. Is, is that one guy actually, he doesn't link the stuff to Henry Pym because no one knows that Henry Pym is the Ant-Man. He just knows the Ant-Man shrinks. So let's go talk to the Ant-Man. However, we have no way of getting in touch with the Ant-Man. Oh, but don't worry, kids, because the ants who live in Frank, Frank, who live in the Fantastic Four building, they know how to get in touch with the Ant-Man. So the ants who are overhearing Reed talk about Ant-Man, like, Ant-Man, Ant-Man, that's one of our key words. We need to send that signal back to back to the Ant-Man. So um, Henry, who happens to be on his helmet at that time, finds out the uh, Fantastic Four are looking for Ant-Man. He's like, okay, Wasp, you're my brand new partner. Editor's note, see Tales to Astonish 44 <laughs> to find out more about her, because she's not going to be in this issue. Oh, no way. Um, and he gets in his little catapult and gets shot over to the uh, Fantastic Four building, talks about the problem, gives them some shrinking gas and some grow- or shrinking liquid and some growing liquid. And um, he's like, yeah, I, I can't really help you, but if, if you want to shrink down and take care of it, here's some liquid. They're like, thanks, Ant-Man. And he leaves. Um, there's some stuff with making the thing into Ben and doing their personal lives and just Susan just Storm the best is, parts of the issue. But yeah, we can, yeah, it's not Susan plot Storm's related. To, it's really not. 
But then they decide, okay, ready to do the shrinking thing? Let's go find out what Dr. Doom's doing. They shrink down and bam, they are in Dr. Doom's courtroom on some kind of micro world. Um, and Dr. Doom recaps what happened since issue 10. We saw him shrinking down into nothingness. Turns out he went into the microverse and he's in this world. He has taken first. He like ingratiated himself to the king by all these new discoveries of science. And then he took over the kingdom by shrinking the king and the princess down to doll size, which he then proceeds to do to the Fantastic Four. He shrinks them down to doll size too and puts them all in a prison cell um, in like a fish tank mm-hmm. or something. Because um, they're in this prison cell and there are these like evil alien fish flying around outside. Um, so they talk about how they had nothing to do and like, you know, like, Dr. Doom's going to enslave them while they're bemoaning their fate. Ant-Man decides to go check on them, goes into their house. He's like, oh, I see where they spilled the drinking liquid, but they're not here. They must be down there. I'll shrink down too. So he shrinks down and um, they manage to escape their underwater prison. Ant-Man gets taken capture by Dr. Doom. They find the growing ray and grow back to not full-sized, but regular microverse size because they're doll, they're microverse doll sized right now. They will be microverse regular sized and they fight Dr. Doom and Dr. Doom grows and gets away and they are too busy saying goodbyes and making friends with the people to go after him right now. That's going to happen next issue. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Awesome issue. Um, so good. This was really, really fun. I love this issue. Like, we were talking um, recently about how we've had some really kooky plots lately. Mm-hmm. This was really fun. And you know what? It was probably the most fun since was the last Dr. Doom story. What was the last Dr. Oh, where he shrink? Yeah. Where he takes over the freaky Friday. The one we the just released Friday where he takes over Reed Richards, body. The one that just released today. Yeah. 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 That was fun. Uh, well, we had, we did, we did have the Hulk fight. That was pretty cool. That was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have very little complaints about this. Um, not, th- not that um, we're here for complaints, so let's talk about things we love. Like, I love the fact – okay, this <laughs> this is not a complaint. It's absurd, and it really made me laugh while you were summarizing it, and it made me laugh more when I was reading it. But this whole business where it starts off with the Human Torch finding them shrunk, and then they unshrink, and then each one of them proceeds to tell a tale about how this has happened before, and they were too embarrassed to talk about it. Um, I just find that hilarious. <laughs> like – they say either they're too embarrassed to talk about it or they thought they were just imagining things. And it's like, I must be going mad. No, no. That's like on Star Trek when someone says, I keep seeing a dead baby at the end of this hallway. Oh, that's just in your head because nothing weird happens on episodes. So it must just be you because we've done a surface preliminary scan and we didn't find any dead babies. So it's just you. But of course, it's not just them. And the Fantastic Four should know that when they have this big adventure as a small person and then become big again and just be like, did I just dream that? And I feel like there should be shirts like, Ben Small or Got Small, You're Not Alone. Call 1-800-GOT-SMALL or something like that. Just because it seems like this crazy support problem like they all have. Like uh, They're just embarrassed that it happened to them. Right. Why don't they know this about themselves? 
It was weird. It, it's also a fun way to pat out some pages with some good character stuff. Cause, mm-hmm. And you were saying uh, later on, whenever they're you know kind of going about their own lives, it's more fun character stuff. And it's one of the best parts of the issue. Um, the actual crux of this issue is like the back half of the book. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot of rising action in this issue, which is not usually how they do things. Um, I like that they need the Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and they call him the Astonishing Ant-Man. They do. Which I think is the first time we've called it. I know he's in Tales to Astonish, but I think it's the first time we've called him the Astonishing Ant-Man in the comic. And he's so cool in this. Almost. But especially these scenes, he's very cool. Like, he shows he up and he's cool. like a legit superhero. Like, the Fantastic Four are probably used to being the most fantastic thing around when they're walking around. But now they're now uh-huh. they're meeting the Ant-Man. And he's pretty awesome, too. And a superhero. And they know about him. Um and I want to say this is the first time he uses flying ants, too, but I could be wrong about that. No, no, this is. Yeah, because I, I marked that. Um, Ant-Man, one of the iconic representations of Ant-Man is that he is straddling two flying ants, chariot style. Mm-hmm. And that has not been done yet. No. Until now. Thank God, finally. I've been Because that just really makes his travels much easier. And now that he has a flying partner, it really... You, you need something like that. Right, yeah. Because we were talking about in our last Ant-Man comic how, like, he launches the catapult and she's flying and, like, who'd get there faster and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I also liked how he's totally a fact of life in Central City. Mm-hmm. Like, he's well-known. But Sue Storm here isn't even certain he exists. Oh, she's not? I didn't, guess I didn't pick yeah. it. Yeah. She also thinks he's hot, um, <laughs> which I liked. <laughs> He's so cute. Yeah, if only he were normal sized. We haven't even an idea how to contact him, Reed. We can't even be sure he really exists. Oh. Well, I mean, to be fair to her, even in Central City for a while, he wasn't sticking around talking to anybody. No, he and wasn't. And then only recently is he suddenly becoming like more 50s or 60s Batman where he like hangs out and he's got the red phone and all that stuff. Um, I was going to I was gonna mention, it reminded me of a certain nocturnal costume hero right? named after a flying rodent. Yeah, yeah. So they're still doing that. But, uh, yeah, all this interaction is great. I love that, you know, if you have a shrinking problem, of course you'd call the Ant-Man, right? Um, right. I like Reed's, like, little invention where he puts him in this glass box so he can magnify him and see what he's talking about. Yeah, I think that carries over to the early Avengers issues. But but um, does that mean, like, Reed's sitting there going, we need to figure out how to talk to the Ant-Man. And meanwhile, while he's trying to figure that out, he just whips out this magnifying mag- crystal magnifying amplifier just in case the Ant-Man comes over? Because that's pretty awesome. Yeah, what else would you need a crystal magnifying amplifier for? No, but, you know, he's brilliant. So he probably invented that in five seconds. Probably did. Probably did. Um, We talk, because Central City, it's funny because in the Fantastic Four movie that we reviewed oh so long ago, Uh um, as you're hearing this, and an hour ago as we're recording this, (laughs) (laughs) but there's like months between the two. Right. (laughs) Um, Central City is where the Fantastic Four were in like issue two or whatever. It's where the Ant-Man was just recently mentioned uh-huh. as being is Central City. Yeah. Not New York City. Mm-hmm. So unless Central City is code for New York or supposed to be like a district of New York, but in the comic here, he's described as being across town. Oh, is he really? Okay. Yeah. And he has to get across town on those flying ants to, uh, to get to them. Well, I've never looked up Central City on Wikipedia or anything to see if there is anything like that anywhere other than I know, like, isn't the, uh, flash from central city or something like that. But, uh, 
You know, Batman, they used to call it New York, and then all of a sudden it switched to Gotham. So maybe they're, maybe right, they're just doing the reverse. And Metropolis and Gotham are nicknames for New York, isn't it? New York. Right. So I don't... Well, I, know Metro- I know Metropolis is a description of the sprawling Metropolis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gotham uh, Gotham Giants was like the baseball team in New York City at one point. So like they thought of New York as Gotham, too, or something. Anyway. I think the word Gotham means city. I think we were seeing that somewhere. Right. So... I don't know. I seriously doubt New York has a nickname of Central City, but I don't know. Maybe something does. Yeah. I don't know. Or they're, they're um, just deciding to make them real world, which is better. On page seven, mm-hmm. the thing and the torch are joking about getting the Ant-Man by calling him on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up on the phone and says, you don't have to call me. I'm right here. Yeah. It reminded me of how the Adam actually can travel through phone lines. Oh, yeah. So I was wondering if they were like intentionally ripping on that here. Does he do that? This, he this early? Okay. So Adam... I don't know if he does it this early, because I, I don't really know Ant-Man's continuity, but... Um, no, I mean... At, but at, I do know that's a thing he does. The Adam does, yeah. Oh, Adam's. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, the Adam's continuity. Which makes him a little cooler than Ant-Man, in a way, if he can do that, but... Um, there are there are several things about the Adam that make him a bit cooler than the Ant-Man. He can change his mass and his size, oh. which means he can hit you like a bullet. Ouch. He has two dials. He can... Be super small and super heavy. So, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, but I but do remember... does he have an ant launcher? No. See, I don't think he has the ant catapult or the pile of ants to catch he him as he lands. He can't talk to ants either, so I don't even know how he functions. Right. Honestly. I mean, Adam, what are you doing with your life? Seriously. Um, with your dwarf star costume. <laughs> um, I remember the Ant-Man in the early issues having trouble making himself heard. And they just stopped referencing that after a while. Yeah. But now Reed Richards brings out the crystal amplifier thing. But he could still be heard when he's sitting on the phone talking to Thing. And he does have that big thing in front of his mouth, which makes you think that could be some sort of amplifier. And Reed says, like, now we can see who we're talking to. So maybe he just wanted to make him bigger to uh, see him instead of right. to hear him. I don't know. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, no, he says it's hard to hear you, Andy. Oh, he does? Okay. Maybe it's hard hard to hear you, but not impossible to hear you unless you're close up. Maybe. I don't know. Um, they they probably do not think about this nearly as much as we are trying to. But Ant-Man just comes off as cool in this entire scene, I think. Like, of course, he's the expert on shrinking and growing, and he gives them the vials, and they all kind of... They have a little hero worship on him, I think. I mean, they are the Fantastic yeah. Four, so they're, they are equally as cool, if not cooler. But right now, I'm just really enjoying Hank Pym being cool. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. because it won't last. But yeah, he's like just a straight up Marvel superhero, and it's neat to have him in here, like consulting with them and helping them out. And they don't even know who he is, and he's mysterious. And it's a good moment for the Henry Pym fans because there are some Henry Pym fans out there that feel he's kind of maligned for a one moment of his oh, life. Oh God, yes, I think so too. Um, but anyway, and then we get to the scene where Reed thinks it's a good idea to turn Ben normal while he's holding a piano. <laughs> Yes, don't do that, Reed. Um, yeah, so that that's just like stuff, you know, we talked about this somewhere else maybe, but like I do love these moments in these books where things just are happening that don't necessarily push the pot, plot forward. Like we've got, well, trying to cure Ben, that's kind of a subplot, ongoing subplot, so I'm glad they keep that going. Um, but then you got like Johnny entertaining kids by cooking their hot dogs and you got uh, – Sue seeing if she can like outsmart dogs from sensing her when she's invisible. Like that does right. that doesn't carry over in anything. Um, but it's um, interesting. I've got 
I've got a little bit in the ongoing saga of the love triangle between Ben, Sue, and Alicia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, hold on, hold on. I love triangles. Let me think here. Ben loves Sue. Sue loves Alicia. And Alicia loves Ben? Yes, that's exactly okay. right. Maybe it's just more of a, maybe even more of a love angle with Ben at the Vertex. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. This is probably almost definitely just a typo. However, it's in the comic. So we have to talk about how it could possibly work. Okay. Page nine at the bottom. Mm-hmm. After Ben drops the piano, <gasps> Alicia's cradling him. Oh my God. Oh, Ben, my darling, are you hurt? Why do you feel so different? I love you so that I don't want you to change. I don't ever want anything to change you. And I am fully convinced that at this point in their relationship, they are a thing. Mm-hmm. Not to put a pun on it. Yeah. Ben and Alicia are romantic. Mm-hmm. But he says, it's all right, Sue, baby. I'm okay. And nothing's ever going to change. And I think that was a Freudian slip. I think he let his feelings for Sue slip out of his mouth at that moment. Hey, I mean, clearly, it's probably more the the letterer looked at that panel and thought it was supposed to be Sue. But uh, yeah, as far as in, time, in, in context of the story, it totally works. And in the next panel, we could, we get further affirmation that he and, he and Alicia are definitely romantic by now. He says, I appreciate what you're trying to do for me. Nothing makes sense. I love Alicia and she loves me best as the thing, which also kind of progresses the whole Ben as the thing thing. Um, and she doesn't. Well, she does speak again, but I was going to say maybe she starts giving him the silent treatment from that point forward. Well, she might because she's not talking to him. <laughs> no, she's not. She just comments on a strange girl's voice. Yeah. So they'll have to work. They'll have to work that out with with uh, some some delicate diplomatic conversation later. Yeah, maybe in that same series where there's like Johnny in high school and they, the three of them go off and do space things. They can talk about that too. <laughs> okay, um, where Reed and Sue are like having squabbles. Mm-hmm. Ben and Alicia are going on dates, and Johnny's in high school. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> and Doctor Doom is <laughs> inflicting torture on minions. <laughs> That is the series I want. This is the future the liberals want. Right. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, oh, oh. Also, Ben, at the end of that first panel on page 10, he says, why don't you instead work on some way to make her see again? Mm-hmm. Which is an easy line to just kind of ignore and keep on going. Mm-hmm. But that actually comes up again in the near future. The whole idea of trying to find a cure for Alicia's blindness. I'm not sure how much of a recurring plot point it is, but we're going to see it again at least in the Ramatut issue of Nowhere Else. Well, that would probably solve way more problems for a lot more people if he cured blindness. Since yeah. the thing is the only guy who has his personal pro- his particular problem. Right. I like I like um, that the thing kind of wants to be the thing now. Um, yeah, you know, I've, it's a good place for Ben. As far as like you know when you when you have those conversations of what superpower would you want, I've always been like the more I like the strong man, invulnerable guy personally so like yeah Mm -hmm. it would suck to i guess look like him but it sure would be cool to be able to pick up a piano so sometimes i like that the thing enjoys being who he is which means that alicia's good for Mm -hmm. him because part of the thing is that he was really hating himself because how could sue ever look at him now Mm -hmm. the way he looks the way she looks at reed right how could that ever happen because he's this horrible monster but alicia loves him as the horrible monster so Alicia has been good for Ben, not only in trying to find a healthy relationship, but also a healthy internal, you know, balance. Right. Um, Strange Tales invades later on page 10 because we get Glenville High. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it might be the first time that the Fantastic Four has acknowledged that they live in Glenville. 
Or that Johnny even goes to school or anything, yeah. <laughs> and if only the front cover hadn't mentioned Doctor Doom. Yes. Because it's only on page 10 that we get the name Doctor Doom. Other than that, it's been like this weird thing threatening evil in the background. I wonder if we would have guessed anyway, because the last time we saw Dr. Doom, he was shrinking. But um, yeah, you know, Doom sells books, so you kind of have to put him on the cover, I guess. Yeah. Exceptional cover, yeah. too, by the way. But um, It's a really good cover. And he's also on really the splash page. Covers that much. No, we never do, but, you know, a lot of these early ones are pretty pretty epic. Um, so I'm just kind of going through my notes. Feel free to uh, interrupt or, or change pace, but I want page 11. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, one, two, three, four, five. So page 11, panel six. Um, flee for your life. Beware of Dr. Doom. Let's see. I like this because the last time we saw Doom, mm-hmm. when he shrank away, I made the easy joke about someone getting technology from Ant-Man. Uh-huh. So now here we are six months later, and they're bringing Ant-Man into the resolution of that story. Yeah. It's also kind of crazy because six comic months ago, all of our monthly heroes were still pretty new. Mm-hmm. We're only like eight months into this superhero universe thing. Ten, I guess. Strange Tales 110. So we're ten months into it. Yeah. Six months ago, they were pretty new. Um, wow, so it hasn't even been a year. It has. Well, it's it's been a year of like since Fantastic Four started. Okay. But not a year since like all of those monthly heroes started. Okay. So where I kind of perceive like it seems like it's taking Stan and Jack forever to realize they should cross everybody over. It really hasn't been that long. Yeah. Yeah, it really hasn't been that long. Um, and by the, by the end of 1963, we're going to have the Avengers. Right. And that's, so it took right at two years to go from no Marvel heroes to a Marvel hero team. Yeah. Or to a team of established Marvel heroes, I should say. And then shenanigans start happening. And although they're fun, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts until page 15. Well, I just think it's awesome that this is the second time now or not awesome for them, but, uh, doom seems to be good at encountering races that are completely oblivious to the fact that he's the most evil person in the world. Um, the Ovoids were generous and nice, and I guess they were so powerful that they couldn't even be hurt by him. But they also taught him how to transfer his body, probably not with the intention of him doing it for nefarious purposes. And then they come here, and he ingratiates himself with this little micro kingdom, and everybody thinks he's cool. And then he, of course, stabs them in the back too, and takes over. So he's good at finding kingdoms to reign over, <laughs> I guess. Um, and it's a fun idea, this micro world. You know, that's better than Atlantis. Like, like, yes, I and I do like the microverse. Yeah, like as a oh, so like this is like they call it micro world, but this is this like a regular thing or is this a different micro world than the microverse or whatever? You know, they are using different terms. I I conflate them in my head, and I think probably one just develops into the other. Okay, uh, just the idea that there are worlds down at the subatomic level. Mm-hmm. It's it's an idea that has absolutely zero basis in modern atomic theory. Mm-hmm. It's it's based on 1960s atomic theory, um, which, you know, we had much less understanding of atoms there. But I, I, I think it's cool. I think it's one of those cool, quirky, old school sci-fi ideas yeah. that, that, you know, lends itself. What the problems are, are matters of geography and land area. Because, okay... So you're sitting where you're sitting right now and like you're, you've got your desk in front of you and let's say on that one teeny little speck on the desk that you see in front of you, if you shrink down to subatomic size, there's a world there. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if someone walks in and wants to follow you, how are they going to be able to get to the exact same speck of dust in the exact same spot on your desk that you went to? Especially since that's literally what they did. He didn't pull them to him. They just took the potion that Ant-Man gave him. Right. And went to action. They shrank down and landed on his world. And then the Ant-Man comes in and follows them. So, like, it's it's too highly impossible. Or, you know, the, the mathematical probability is not zero. But, you know, it might as well be. Yeah. Of landing in the exact right space. But anyways, so it's... It doesn't, you can't think about it too long, but it's comics. You're not supposed to. And it's an idea that people continue to like because it's, you know, Men in Black is, is, it's all over the place in those series. Um, You know, How the Grinch Stole Christmas all took place on a snowflake or something like that. So, you know, we like this idea that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And the the Who's and Whoville are also on a spec. That's pretty great. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. That is the Grinch, though. I was thinking of Horton Hears a Who. That's also another one. Yeah. Where they're all on a flower. But the Who's and Whoville from Horton are the same Who's and Whoville from Grinch. Oh, are they supposed to be the same? Okay. Anyway. Yeah, they're the same. At least I imagine they're the same. I have never (laughs) done a Dr. Seuss continuity podcast, (laughs) so maybe they're not. (laughs) Well, we'll do that on April 1st. Um, (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I liked all this. I don't really have a lot else to say either. I like the action. Um, there's a moment where they all fantasize or they're all described as what's going to happen when Dr. Doom finally gets his way. Like things going to be in a sweatshop and Torch is going to be forced to f- attack victims. Or no, if these aliens come in and get their way, I guess. There's a bunch of aliens that are going to like attack or something or work with Dr. Doom, I guess. Right? I don't know. Um, yeah, the lizard, the lizard men, men. Have lizard men are coming to make a deal with Dr. Doom. And so the king and queen describe what's going to happen. And there's all this fantasy of like showing them all in labor camps and stuff. I'm starting to think that's like a regular thing we're going to be getting in Fantastic Four is these imaginary panels, which I, which right, I always find kind of enjoyable. Like how would, how would we defeat Dr. Doom or why don't we want to go to this speech thing? Cause this would happen or whatever. It's, and you have your four different heroes, and so each of them giving an imagination mm-hmm. is a, is a cool way of sort of spacing out your your comic with some fun art and and um, personality yeah, the, because most of the time they're they're each thinking of their own thing. So this is how the thing thinks. This is how Torch thinks. You know. Mm-hmm. And Sue does not want to be a drudgery man. No. Um, the lizard men are from another planet, so it's like two micro planets in the micro in the micro. Yeah. Uh, existence that's pretty There's great a whole universe or something um i also like how dr tim caught sue in a cup like he was sitting on a throne and he just had this mm-hmm. cup to capture somebody in so that was funny. i like that they shrunk them and i initially thought yeah but if it's the same tech as ant-man they retain their strength and stuff so shrinking down the thing is not necessarily helping you and then the next panel is the thing completely destroying all his guards so it's like yeah high five stan lee that's exactly what would happen and then they caught him anyway, but I still like that the thing gave gave a good fight even at a small a sub subatomic level or whatever he is at that point. So talking about Doom for a second, Doctor Doom is the bad guy here. We've talked in the early stories about how he doesn't really have a whole lot of motivation, and then in issue ten we're like, oh, he's targeting Reed. He's going after Reed directly. Mm-hmm. This must mean he really hates Reed. But I went back and looked at the the words of that issue and couldn't find anything where he actually says why he's targeting Reed so much as this is just his way of getting over the Fantastic Four is by replacing one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Reed beats him. Mm-hmm. And so here he's like on page 16. Um, 
you see, Richards, great a scientist as you may be, I, Dr. Doom, am by far the greater. So aside from their going to college together, this is the first that I can think of, unless I missed something in issue 10, this is the first thing where he's like, actually, you read, think you're all that, I, Dr. Doom, am all that, and a bag of chips, plus some Skittles, and that's the way things are. And I just don't think we've seen that before, but that's very much their dynamic. Yeah, initially it was just, I need to get the one thing that might stop me out of my way. It's not really personal. Right. You're just powerful, so I'm going to get rid of you. And then he's tried that like three times failed every time and reed is of course the leader of this team and usually the reason why he's failed so yeah now it's become personal which is more fun yeah more fun and and you know just getting everything in place for the character Mm -hmm. the only thing we need now for him is the more fleshed out backstory that we're going to get in about a, a year and change worth of comics um what else you got on this my only um thing left that i really have is i I was so excited when Ant-Man comes back, right, to check in on them, I guess. And then he sees, what's going on here? I can't. Oh, yeah. There's this one little pad. Hey, look, vials of glass. They must have went down to the subatomic micro world or whatever. And he goes down there. And the first panel, he's like hunched over and these two guys are coming at him. And I'm just like, yes, Ant-Man is going to come in and save the Fantastic Four. And then he gets captured. And the Fantastic Four captured. save him. And he doesn't really do anything. And that was my only real disappointment with this issue. Because otherwise, it was pretty fun. But I wish the Ant-Man had, like, been more superhero-y and rescued them or something. Right. Um, Johnny and the Princess flirt. Uh-huh, yeah. We saw this in the Fifth Dimension as well. Uh-huh. So Johnny has a thing for Foxy Chicks and other dimensions. He really should get a girlfriend at home. Um, Invisible Girl yanks another gun. This is like, what, her fifth, sixth time doing this or something like that? I, I think we should be keeping yeah. track. I love it every single time because they're always just like, stand aside and I will destroy you with this awesome thing. Yoink. <laughs> what? I love that every time. Works every time. And I'm a little bit surprised that Dr. Doom actually got away at the end, which is going to lead us directly into next issue. This is another time and it's starting to become a, a, a kind of frequent thing. Um, but one issue of the Fantastic Four is leading directly into the action of the next issue. Well, it's probably good if he gets away more often than not because they clearly like him as a villain and we like him as a villain. So quit like, you know, quote unquote, killing him or whatever. And then him having to figure out a way for him to come back. If he just escapes, then he doesn't have to figure out a way to come back. Right. So, yeah, as we end this issue, Dr. Doom is free. Ant-Man is hanging out with the Fantastic Four in the micro world. Um we are going to get an issue of Ant-Man before we get another issue of Fantastic Four. So we had, we'll have to like mentally file that as being just before or after these other two stories, but that's okay. Um, and actually Ant-Man's involvement in the next issue is only like a goodbye. He's not really in the issue right. uh, for the, uh, for the adventure. He just shows up at the beginning. So to we'll goodbye. just summarize until he says goodbye and then we'll move on to the next issue and then we'll come back. Right. Cause that's not pointless. <laughs> um, but unless you have anything else on the story, there's there's a feature page. Of Mr. Fantastic? Yeah, Mr. Fantastic's powers. It's a great feature page, too, I think. I think the art's awesome on it. We've gotten one of these for the torch and for Reed now. Um, I like his tire, although he, I think he's done that before and complained about I it. I don't like that it has a hubcap, but otherwise I like his tire. Like, he's not Plastic Man, so. Oh, I just saw that as being the tire. Or, I'm sorry, about the wheel in the... T- like, the oh, wheel is not part of oh, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, okay. Well, it's blue, so I thought maybe he was yeah. making that spoke. 
which would be weird. They, they should have colored that differently. But yeah, I, I saw his. He was just the rubber okay. around the wheel. Okay, I'm cool with that then. Yeah, and he's a parachute, and it shows him like deflecting rockets or like the rockets or mis- missiles going into his body and stretching him essentially. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. neat. And it talks about how so far Reed he can Richards, stretch, and he doesn't know. Right. He doesn't know how far he can stretch. Reed cannot be hurt by bludgeoning, can he? You would think not. I mean, I guess it depends on how hard. Uh, I imagine he can probably be sliced and energy blasts will knock him out, but you can't hit him. Yeah. Well, you can hit him, but it's not going to Well, I mean, him. it depends on who's hitting him, right? Like, no. if I hit him, no. If the Hulk hits him, I don't know. Could he hit him hard enough? Maybe. I don't know. If he hit him up against something. But theoretically, his head should just go breach. Yeah, I agree. I think you should. I think you should be able to take any kinetic punch or hit or whatever. But maybe there's only so much his nerves can take on the inside. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's one of those things where if he lets himself go limp, he's okay. But if he is holding his head together and he gets hit, then it's like you tense up for a fall. It hurts you more. Is there a Mister Fantastic versus the Hulk issue? Because that'd be very interesting to me. <laughs> I don't think there is. Well, yeah, we, we get it every third issue with him fighting the thing, right? Well, he wraps himself around the thing. The thing never really punches him in the face. I don't know. I guess he probably yeah. does full on fight the thing at some point in the Fantastic Four career. So that would be the same difference, I suppose. I can't think of but it. I turned the page in my, um, in my uh, Masterworks and there's a Fantastic in the clutches of Dr. Doom cover for next time. So I'm looking forward to that a couple episodes from now. So, speaking of that, does that end our month or no? That does end our month. So, so we're going to need to do our top and bottom picks. Okay. So, oh, um, no. while I'm getting the file open. I thought it was easy, but now I think it's not. Okay. Well, while I'm getting the file open, why don't you run down what all we've had this month? Well, I don't know if it's in order, but we've had Journey into Mystery, where Thor fights the radioactive man. We've had Tales to Astonish, where Egghead returns. And it's the first appearance of the Wasp, right? Yeah. No, no. Second appearance of the Wasp. No, those aren't the same thing. We've had second appearance of yeah, the Wasp. Yeah, second. We've had Amazing Spider-Man number three, first appearance of Doc Ock. And then we've had the three we covered tonight, Fantastic Four number 16 with Dr. Doom and Ant-Man, Tales of Suspense 43, where Iron Man goes to the netherworld, and Strange Tales number 110, where Pace Pop Pete and the wizard team up against Human Torch. What was the Thor issue? Thor was Radioactive Man. Was that his name? Yeah, radioactive man. Yeah, that the Asian who creates himself as a superpower and takes on tries to take on Thor because Thor like changes history. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I did not think of these ahead of time, which I usually try to do. I think the last couple of times I've missed it doing ahead of time too. Um, but why? What do you think is your top or bottom? Which well, one bottom's easy. I'm going to go Tales of Suspense 43 because that was just nuts. <laughs> Netherworld was not fun. The science was weird. It was kind of sexist. Um, other than, like I said, the air tunnel was fun for me. But after that, it just all tanked. I thought Strange Tales was okay. I enjoyed the banter between the two villains. Egghead, meh. Thor, I liked a lot because it was like a big muscle challenge. But for me, the top is going to either be Amazing Spider-Man number three or Fantastic Four number 16. And I hate that Amazing Spider-Man number three is in this month because I totally would pick Fantastic Four number 16 otherwise, but I cannot because Dr. Octopus's first appearance was so amazing and powerful, and he literally slaps Spider-Man in the face and throws him out a window. So that's the winner for me, Amazing Spider-Man number three. Okay, so 
I'm really trying to evaluate my choices here. Well, we know you're going to um, pick Spider-Man, so do that first. And see, yeah, I am. I'm going to pick Spider-Man. <laughs> of course Spider-Man. you are. How can you not? I picked But it. I was also going to pick Iron Man. I'm trying to figure out if I should do that or if there's enough justification to be different. Mm. Uh, how terrible was that Egghead story? Was, it was just kind of ho-hum, but nothing like, oh, you know, it wasn't great because they do the whole wasp trap by having a wasp museum show. Oh, the wasp would come to a show about wasps and all that nonsense. Oh, yeah. And the, but the fight was okay, I think. I don't know. The art was fantastic. The art was though. great. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like Iron, I mean, Iron Man's Kirby's pretty good, too, but it's just so silly nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Iron Man, Ant-Man, and Thor are kind of... Is it weird that Torch is not combating for bottom spot? <laughs> no. Um, I would say Torch was a, Torch and Torch is a middling entertainment right. entertaining I tale. I think Torch and Thor were both middle of the road, not the worst, yeah. not the best. Right. I would say Ant Man and Iron Man are at the bottom, and then Amazing Spider Man and Fantastic Four were way, 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 way up there for me. And I think I'm going to join you in putting Iron Man on the bottom. There's sexism. Yeah. There's underground empires, which honestly have not one time appealed to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, not with Tyrannus. We haven't gotten to the Mole Man having an empire underground yet, but the Mole Man living in a cave with a bunch of moloids is not really that. They, they, haven't, they haven't done a cool story with that yet. Not one that grabs me. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just I'm going to duplicate your votes. Yeah. Um, Iron Man on bottom and um, <sighs> Spider-Man on top. I'm so annoyed with Spider-Man now because, like, I wish Fantastic Four was next month so that we could pick both. But oh well. Well, there is no there is no Spider-Man next well, month. Well, then let's move him over to next month and then I'll pick him then. That's che- that's cheating. <laughs> I just hate that I hate cheating. that he robbed Fantastic Four of a vote because that was a good issue. But oh well. You yeah. got only yeah. one winner. Oh, only oh. one winner. Not to not to make it worse, but the Super Scroll is competing with Sandman. Oh. Crud. <laughs> I don't know though. I I mean I haven't read the Sandman one, so we'll see. But I can't imagine. I mean that Doc Ock was just so so fierce that that issue right. it was just like craziness. But all right. Well, um, going through some thanks that we have gotten recently, uh, or some some friending that we have gotten recently on the Twitter and on the Facebook. So you can always find our Twitter. It is at twitter.com slash make ours marvel but we have some recent followers that i want to just say thank you for supporting the show and if you're out there and you are following us on twitter we really really appreciate uh whenever you retweet the new episodes Mm -hmm. those are that is a really great way of supporting the um the podcast and i want to thank you everyone who does that um now it's been a while since I've done this, so I'm not really sure where I left off. I'm pretty sure I mentioned, yeah, Mountain Comics because they were doing the um, the podcast looking back at the comics that were on vacation at the Pocono Mountains in the 70s and 80s. We're talking about how like how like a, a unique concept that was. Um, International House of Brian, I may have thanked before, but I want to I want to make sure they get thanked. And Marvel Mishaps, thank you for following us on Twitter. SuperheroReviews.com follows us on Twitter. Thank you very much. Um, this guy just goes by Jonathan, but his at name is George Milliken. So I'm really confused. Jonathan, who are you? Why do you have an alias? Perhaps he's both. Perhaps he's both. Justice Trek, the podcast. 
please join me as I trek through 75 years of stories about the Justice Society, the Teen Titans, and the Justice League of America. Yikes, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, so I don't know if he's like pulling out random episodes or if he's like doing one of each every episode. That'd be I, I should check that out. Justice Trek the podcast, which is at Justice Trek. So if you like the JSA, the Teen Titans, or the JLA, go check him out. Um, Andrew, who is at All Star DC Comics, and then Charming Curmudgeon. Um, thank you all for following us on the Twitter. Um, over at Facebook. And, and Mike, while I'm pulling up the Facebook, why don't you tell them where they can find us? You can find us at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's where we have all the various links for how to subscribe to the show on your favorite device, Google, iTunes, etc. It's got a links to all our, our three um, social medias, Google+, Facebook, and Twitter. And, of course, the notes themselves, which not only allow you to play the episode right there on our website, but it, I try and throw on some supplemental material. Uh, you know, images about what we're talking about. And um, yeah, there's also a link to email us there. Oh, yeah. So uh, we, right. We have not been getting a whole lot of emails by this point in time. We've probably done at least one email episode. So do, uh, do write us in with uh, your thoughts on the stories and um, any extra continuity that is being presented by these particular stories that you know of that we haven't mentioned. Um, and you, if you were reading the stories at the you time, you can do that at, by sending mail to podcast at makearsmarvel.com. Okay. And um, over at Facebook, some friends we have made at Facebook or, or likes we have gotten um, include Gene Hendricks, AKA Gene, Gene, the podcasting king, um, who is the only podcaster I know who has his own theme song. The theme song is da 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 Gene. <laughs> that probably took a while. Um, yeah, so that's that's uh, from the Two True Freaks. Um, he's a big uh, podcaster of the Two True Freaks Network. Jeremy Gruenberg, thank you for liking us on uh, Facebook. Ben Brainerd. Jason Venable, my good friend Jason, who is a podcaster about Wolverine over at the podcast that goes Snick. Snicked. And Masood Shadravan. And Masood, I hope I got that right. So the Masood or Masood? I'm going to think it's Masood Shadravan. Um, thank you very much for liking us on Facebook. And um, I want to send a special out, shout out to Daniel Doherty, who faithfully every week on Facebook shares our post. And he, at, at the time of this recording, back in June, is the one person who does that every week on Facebook. So thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. That only costs us $5 every time. <laughs> Next episode, we'll be diving into May of 1963. We're going to see the return of Sergeant Fury, some Thor, and lots of other good stuff. Patsy Heedy, love romances. No, no, no. no, no neither of those. of those. Right, right. Gunsmoke Western. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, no. Stop oh, it. We're not oh, doing right, this. right, right. <laughs> so until Kala, Queen of the Netherworld, falls in love with the Mole Man, make ours marvel. marvel.